Alrighty, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you live from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee, and I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in from Charm City, Maryland, Mr. Odell Norman. What is up, my friend? What's going on, man? How you doing? I am stressed out. It has been a very stressful day. Um, what started my downward spiral is I write for a site, a news site called If You Only News. And right. my dad looks at my articles sometimes. He has a Facebook page, but it's under a fake name. He uses like his grandfather's last name so nobody can find him. And he's only got okay. like 30 people on there. It's just relatives so he could see their oh. um, pictures and stuff of family. And he never posts, but I guess something I wrote pissed him off, so he cut and pasted part of one of my articles, and he didn't say it was for me. He just said, I just read this article. This came from an article I read, and he put the post in there, you know, that he copied from my article, like one paragraph, and then he wrote like three paragraphs, totally ripping me an asshole, like a new asshole, oh just saying how, like... How horrible what I was saying was wasn't you know not the not the actual writing form but the content of it and then like he kind of ended it with like this author off this writer obviously has a childlike grasp of how politics works blah 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 like totally insulting me but not even saying that this my son wrote this article so it was like doubly insulting so how'd you like to start your day off like that there you go <laughs> your dad critiquing you. Yeah, so embarrassed of it, I guess, that he wouldn't even say it was mine, but pissed off enough by it where I guess it got a reaction from him. So that's I guess that's what writing is supposed to do is get a reaction. You know what I'm saying? But there you go. That's what it is. So walking back there in the... Go ahead. ahead. No, I mean, it's a a reaction. That's what you want. I mean... (laughs) I just thought it was funny he didn't mention me. But anyways, I'm not going to go into my daddy issues here on Musical Osmosis. I'll say that for the Sunday show. <laughs> Lurking back there in the shadows is our awesome producer that keeps the ship afloat even when I'm screwing up left and right. D the Maven yes, Domestic. Does. What is up, D? Um, yeah, side note, before we go on, your dad actually used Facebook? Only like, to I, I know. chastise me, only to chide me. I, and I he knew know, I, I don't would think see I've ever seen him use Facebook. He's never That's used so it. Crazy. He never posted anything, but he posted this because I guess he knew it would come across Just, my see, feed. There you go. But he didn't there tag me in it. And he tried to do it, and like, it was very passive-aggressive. Like, instead of confronting oh, yeah. me face-to-face, um, he... Because he doesn't like getting into these conversations with me anymore. Yeah. Or awesome. maybe it's okay, because I have so, a Right. Uh, all right. So this Sunday, we have got a couple of really cool people. We, um, for anybody who somehow missed our show with uh, the producer and one of the actors from SLC Punk 2, we are having another actor from SLC Punk 2 who is going to be on Sunday, Ms. Jenny Jaffe, uh, who was my favorite character, Emo Shelley. Um, she's everyone's she's favorite also, character. Isn't she everyone's favorite and, new character? 
I, I would she hope was so. Awesome. And she also uh, runs UROC, which is a really, really cool site that you are okay kids with. Oh, so, you're right. You I don't know why. Okay. Yeah, it spells you rock, which is really cool. Um, anyway, uh, helping kids who have you know, issues and hurt and things like that. And uh, that's going to be really cool Sunday. And then we're also going to have what's been, gosh, probably about a year in the making. We're trying to. Gosh. He was the first person I ever tried the book because I saw him Um, on uh, Bill Maher. And I was like, I've got to get this guy. And it was it was right, like, the mm-hmm. first couple months we started doing the show. And, um, well, I'll let you announce them, and then I'll tell a little back. Yeah, yeah. I, I cannot wait. Um, we are going to have um, former mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, also known as still Mayor the mayor. Rust. Oh, still there. My bad. Um, also known as Mayor Rust, Mr. Uh, John Fetterman, who is the first mayor I ever saw with tattoos. And I think wow. Cool. Yeah, John so is awesome, gone. dude. Yeah. I so can't wait. I think it's going to be super cool. He, yeah. since 2005, he has mm-hmm. ran a um, city that's much like the city I grew up in, McKeesport, Pennsylvania. It's a depressed steel mill town, um, very poor population, a lot of obstacles, a lot of struggles politically and economically in that area. Uh, but massive decrease in population as everybody fled those parts of the country after the mills shut down, because the mills employed a great deal many people in McKeesport and in Braddock, where he's mayor. And he was on Bill Maher, and this was about three years ago. I saw him on Bill Maher, mm-hmm. and there was a Republican guy sitting next to him, and they were talking about different policies to try to fix the economy. And the Republican, I don't even remember who he was, some senator or something, the Republican guy was like, oh, well, I mean, you, you're you the mayor of a city of a bunch of scumbags and losers. And he looked right at him. And he wow. Was like, he was like, you know what? Why don't we step outside? And then you can tell me what, oh, a, yeah. what a loser is my, great. Of my town are. And that guy shut up. His face got beat red, and he shut the hell up. Not that I It was an epic wow. moment on Bill Maher. No, but it, it was really, really nice. I thought it was really nice to see somebody totally and completely shut down and put in their place. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's going to be on Sunday. Uh, then next Friday we're going to have our buddy Rob Crescent is going to play some trivia with us. Haven't played trivia with him in a while. I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, then we're going to have uh, Sean Whalen's coming on Kettle of Fish. I, guarantee, I can pretty much guarantee if you're under the age of 60, you've seen him at least twice. Uh, in some kind of movie. And our buddy Caleb Sinan is coming back on the show. Super duper excited. Uh, he's got some new stuff with Comedy Central and the mobile app coming up. I don't even know. I can't wait to hear him tell us about it. Uh, we're going to have Mormazine <laughs> coming on. We're going to have Ben Stewart from Songhammer is going to play some trivia with us. We've got oh, comedian awesome. Chris Mohan coming on. We've got Steve Trash, possibly the world's only upcycling uh, magician he's going to be on. We're going to have ventriloquist Christine Barger, and we are going to have our 100th episode, which, oh, my God, Saucy, who do we have for our 100th episode? We've got William Sanderson from Deadwood, True Blood, New Heart. We've got John Lear from 
being one of my favorite people on the planet, but also the Geico Caveman, um, Quick Draw, 10 items or less. Plus, he's been, you know, he's done guest spots in a million other shows. Power TV. Yep, Mm -hmm. Power TV, Mm -hmm. of course. We've got Rachelle from Season 3 of King of the Nerds. And I'm still trying to get that very special guest. I'm still negotiating stuff. Also, end of April, it's official. I have booked Tom Kiefer from Cinderella. So I'm not sure exactly the logistics. But, you know, shake me all night. I love that, I love that metal, cool. like, don't know what you got until it's gone. <laughs> yes, so if you're under the age of 50, you've probably heard it either on, uh, everybody's heard it. I mean, come on, really. Who hasn't heard Cinderella? Uh, yeah, this is going to be super awesome. And, of course, we, uh, since our 100th episode is coming up, and we are moving a lot of our stuff over to Libsyn. Please make sure you check out our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash musicalosmosis, and you will be able to find the link for our new Libsyn page, or we are also on the Libsyn app, um, hopefully on Spotify soon enough. And uh, we, of course, are doing our super-duper celeb Kettle of Fish giveaway. Go to kettleoffish.com, or, well, Go to facebook.com slash KOF show and click on the giveaway tab. It's super easy. You can do it every single day. And we've got uh, an autographed poster, autographed T-shirt, autographed um, picture from True Blood. We've got um, a kettle, of course, fishy things, of course, Um, more fishy things. There's going to be candy in there. We've got... Um, comedy CDs, a DVD. I mean, it's we've actually got so many much. of our guests. I didn't expect that yeah. much stuff. I, I didn't either. So <laughs> everything will not fit in the kettle, but you will. We will include the kettle because it is kettle of fish. Um, and then one of the other things that I, I had ordered because ninety, I'd say, I'd say, well, no, I don't know if ninety percent probably. Probably like 60-70% of the items in the prize are actually from our former guests, um, many of which are very, very well-known folks, and a lot of it's signed, and um, I noticed we got a message the other night from a, an actual presidential candidate who uh, offer, seems to be offering to send um, a prize to a guest, so yes, that's kind yes. of exciting. We've got some Burma Supreme swag coming. Yeah, well, I thought it sounded cool just to say, hey, it's a presidential candidate. You know, you never know. But then it could be Trump, and that'd be awful. Um, So, yeah, just go to Facebook.com slash KOF show. Click the giveaway tab. It's super, duper easy. And I promise I will not sell your email to Donald Trump's people. And just remember, uh, if Donald Trump it. sent us a bucket of shit, it would be great, and we're going to love it, and it would be the best shit we, love the shit we ever got. Okay, we got um, like eight minutes to rock this segment out. This is something I wanted to talk about on air. I found this site that has the ten most controversial censored um, songs, and I'm assuming they're rock songs. They're more like radio songs. I know there's a lot of like... Venom and Slayer and stuff that's probably been banned. But this is just mainstream stuff. So let's go through these real quick, and I can get some feedback from you, Odell. Uh, Number 10, of course, Kick Out the Jams by MC5. Now, I remember when this happened, not when it happened, but I remember what happened with Kick Out the Jams. 
They said the word motherfucker on the record. That was a huge oh, deal. Um, yeah. a, they made a follow-up that was censored. Most record stores wouldn't carry the uncensored version because that was a big deal in the late 60s. It was actually 1969. That was a big deal. However, the, the um, department store, Hudson's, which was a chain store back then, went as far not also to not carry the censored version, not carry the uncensored version, not carry MC5. They stopped carrying anything released by Elektra Records. That's taking it a little mm. too far, right? That, oh, that's yeah. Like, so, to retaliate, the band took out a full-page ad in the um, Ann Arbor, which is where their headquarters was, that said, Fuck Hudson's. Full-page ad that said, Fuck Hudson's Department Store. And then Electra dropped them after that, and that was the end of MC5. That destroyed yeah, their career. Yeah. Ballsy, Well, right? that was the power... Yeah, that was the power of uh, the, the the record companies back then, you know. But it, I mean, heck, man, MC Five they they were they were one of those bands. I mean, if if it wasn't for MC Five, you wouldn't have you know bands like Have to Drive In or or uh, Rage Against the Machine. They basically bucked the system, and they went down bucking the system. So um, more power to them, man, and kick out the jams. You know that song. You can put that on anywhere, and that thing is that's one of the most intense songs I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, if you don't shake your ass when that song comes on, you're dead inside. Yeah. You are a yeah, soulless seriously. robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. Um, next, we'll just touch on this real quick. Uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by the Beatles. Of course, we all know yeah. why. CLSD, LSD, yeah. BBC band. Yeah. No surprises there. But, you know, I actually have seen the picture. And, and it really, I mean, it, it looks like a cute little crayon drawing. You know that his son did, and it's just a little girl, and she's flying around with a bunch of little blue things in the sky. Yeah, but years later, John Lennon admitted that it was about. Yeah, him. I know. So yeah. okay, next, my generation by the Who. I guess wow. where their stuttering sounded somewhat nefarious, mm-hmm. and they said "fuff fade away," and they took that as them trying yeah. to covertly. Say f you, say the f word. Yeah. They're, God, people were ridiculous back then. People were ridiculous. I guess Aren't they? the takeaway is people have always been ridiculous. It makes me wonder, like in the dark ages. I mean, even back then, right? If you played certain type of music, like orchestra music in a certain key, it was seen as a devil's key. And if you, oh, yeah, you know, played yeah. sympathy music in a certain key, it was seen as evil. So this isn't yeah, new, right? Yeah. It's always been going on. That's why people like Beethoven and those cats, when they did it, a lot of times they were bucking the system when they wrote music. Of, I mean, if you if you look at some of the, their writings, a lot of it, you know, I, I, and it's funny because I've been listen, listening when I put um, one of my daughters down, she listens to classical music. So um, one of the DJs, he, he actually played a song from Beethoven the other night, and he was, and basically it was about, um, it was spoofing. I forgot what it was spoofing, but he even mocked it. He mocked it to the point where he brought like the, like he had dogs barking on the on the on the uh, on the um, on the on the actual song. So when, so when they knew what they were talking about in the song, even though there was no words to it or anything, but they got it, which is amazing to me. I'm like, man, how do you buck the system? But you know, give a big ass without any words. But they they knew. They knew. 
All right, let's hit number seven, Eve of Destruction. We all remember the anti-war song, Whoa. We're on Eve yeah. of Destruction. Now, this sounds like yeah. this comes straight out of the Ted Cruz campaign. Um, there's a line in there that says, if you're old enough to kill, you're old enough to kill but not old enough for voting. And, of course, the voting age back then was 21. And they said right. that this line was aiding the enemy, was aiding the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese, this line, or was it South? Who was the enemy in that? North or South? Wasn't it North Vietnamese it was, the, was our enemy? Yes. Yeah, South, South, no. No, I'm thinking of Korea. I guess it was the Vietnamese, yeah. North and South Korea. Was, okay, yeah, it was the Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. So that's it. they said that they were aiding the enemy. So that's something that could come out of Ted Cruz's oh, camp yeah. now, right? Yeah. That kind of logic. That sounds um, like, oh, yeah, oh, you know that. <laughs> We got Alice on the line. I'll tear through these real quick. Um, Lola by the Kinks. You know, la, 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 Lola. Believe it or not, that song wasn't banned because it was talking about a transvestite. It was banned in the BBC because it uses a line about Coca-Cola, and they were against product placement. So I thought that was kind of bizarre. Uh, Okay. We got Tom Petty. Uh You don't know how it feels. Um, of course, he talked about passing a joint, and that made people crazy, and they banned that. Um, this is one that really is bizarre to me. So Dire Straits had a song, and this song came out, God, Money for Nothing. When did that come out, Adele? Like 86, oh, 87, something like 80s, that? Yeah, 85, 86, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. around the Friday night video times. Yeah, I remember up late, and that video was always on Friday night videos. And I pulled up the lyrics, and I couldn't pull up the actual lyrics in Google Play. They have where you can pull up lyrics there. They had it censored. So I had to pull it up somewhere else. But there's lyrics, and I remember I, I would have office jobs, and this would come on the radio, and nobody thought anything of it. Nobody but then they would thought not, anything of it. They wouldn't let you play Eminem for the exact same reason. And there's the line goes, the little faggot with the earring and the makeup. Yeah, buddy, yeah. that's his own hair. That little faggot owns a jet airplane. That little faggot, he's a millionaire. Now, Eminem yep. got scrutinized and just torn oh, apart for using yep. that word. And Dire Straits used it, and it was never an issue until 2011 when the mm-hmm. Canadian Broadcasting um, Council deemed it unsuitable for airplay. So they had been playing that song 30 years, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, 2011, it became wrong to play that song. And, How does that happen? And the thing was, and the thing was, it was one of those songs that they would play it on the radio, and you would hear it. I'm like, is he saying what I'm thinking he's saying? And, and because a lot of they didn't catch. I don't know if they didn't catch it or they just were like, hey, the song is so you know catchy. Well, I've brought, but, I've know, brought it up in my work before, like when I used to work <laughs> in offices, and they wouldn't let me play my music. You know, oh, you can't play that. That music's offensive. And I'm like, listen to this song. Listen to what they're saying. Oh, well, it was the '80s. And I just felt like yeah. that was like when your eighty-year-old grandfather drops the n-bomb, and you go, "Oh, well, he's eighty years old. He's from a different time." He's eighty. Yeah, and you give him a pass. Yeah. I kind of felt like Dire Straits was getting that same pass, and now here we they are, thirty back. years later. Now people are outraged by it from thirty years ago. Like they care. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they've made their money. Okay, God Save the Queen by Sex Pistols, self-explanatory. Let's spend the yeah. night together. Um, yeah. They went on Ed Sullivan, which was the show back then. I mean, you couldn't yeah. make it without going through Ed. 
he made him change the lyric to let's spend some time together. They begrudgingly mm-hmm. did it, went out on stage, did it that way, but I guess they felt so dirty afterwards for selling out that the Rolling Stones came back the next time they were invited on wearing Nazi uniforms. Sullivan yep. wouldn't let yep. them on stage and banned them for years. So that was, once yeah. again, very ballsy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was Sullivan, man. He That was, I mean, you saw what he did when Elvis you know, was gyrating his hips or whatever. They they had that screen halfway up. All you could see is his torso. It was like, yeah. no, we can't show that. No, 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 not on here. <laughs> now, here's the last one. Bizarre. Louie Louie by the Kingsmen. What, you know, wow. very hard to decipher what they're saying. So many conspiracies right. around it. And in 1957, when the song came out, so many people were up in arms about it that the FBI actually had code breakers listening to the song on rotation over and over trying to decipher oh. what the nefarious lyrics could be. Can you imagine doing that? That is Just like hearing that over and over. Yeah, oh. the Jade Helm conspiracy of today, like playing that record. I, I don't oh. get it, dude. But that that was shocking to me, right? That the FBI actually it, dedicated our tax dollars to try to code break Louie Louie. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And the sad me. part is there was nothing bad in that song, like nothing. Nothing bad at all. But that's, no. that was the FBI, man. That was, that's how they rolled back in those days. I mean, yeah, that oh was the McCarthy God. era and Edgar Hoover yeah. and all those Edgar cats, Hoover. Man. Woo. Yeah. When he wasn't wearing yeah, dresses, well, that guy was hardcore. When he wasn't wearing dresses, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that guy—he put taps on everything. <laughs> All right, so there's a rundown for oh. everybody. I'm very Jeb Bush's low energy tonight because I've had such a trying day. <laughs> um, we've got Alex White, Miss Alex White from White Mystery, on one of our favorite people. We had her on Kettle of Fish, yeah. um, like probably two months ago. We always love speaking with her. I found out, I always like to do the little intro, I got turned on a um, White Mystery about a year ago, ran across them on someone else's page. I was like, holy shit, who are these guys? This is awesome. And what really struck me about them is so much diversity, so much provision. They're, they've got so many projects going on. They're, you know, They've got the movie, that was awesome. They've got their Levi jeans. And it was ad. awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they've they've got their hands in so many different creative things, and just the structure. When you go on their um, webpage, I mean, you could just spend an hour on there, just clicking around mm-hmm. and looking at the content. And it's just more, even though it's just Alex and her brother Francis, it's just a two-piece band. Which right there, that's going to stand out, right? Yeah. And then you look at everything that's involved around them. It's an experience. And that's the it's kind a of thing that's right. Yeah. You it's know? awesome. Yeah, that's what I tell people, like, when I, I posted it uh, that we were doing, I, I put, to all you DIY rockers, man, musicians, check out this interview, check out this band, you know, do it. Because everything is, a, like you said, everything is an experience. Everything is a story. Even their, their tour to, in Japan, you know, they came back with a story on, okay, what to do, where to go, who to, you know, play with all the way down. So anybody that's planning to do an overseas trip, especially to Japan, because it's a little bit different than touring in, 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 in Europe, it, you, you get that. You can go right here and, and see that firsthand. 
And it's a fun story, right? It's not like a story it's like awful. when King Diamond puts out a concept album about strangling his grandmother. It's actually a story you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get Alex in here. Miss hey. Alex. Hello. Greetings. How are you? I am rather melancholy today, but I know that you're going to cheer me up because you're always so full of energy and so full of good vibes. Thank you. I was zoning out just listening to you guys and all the accolades you're giving us. And after a really hard day, sometimes it's really gratifying to hear your uh, successes discussed (laughs) amongst hosts as, as a student as all of you. Yes, fire away, man. I mean, we could prop each other up. No pressure, but my emotional health this evening is all dependent on how charming you are. So, fire away. <laughs> all right. I want to start with this. Um, I went back and listened to the Kettle of Fish episode we did with you because I don't want to repeat myself. I know anybody who does a lot of interviews has to get tired of you know answering the same shit over and over. But this is one thing I noticed, and I hit on this when I was introducing you guys. You got your webpage; it's like BuzzFeed. You can go on there and click around forever and go down the white mystery, you know, rabbit hole. So much mm-hmm. content. You're business savvy. You're media savvy. And and I'm looking at these bands that are successful and comedians that are successful today, and they really know how to tap into social media i feel like 20 years ago you could be a complete asshole and if you had talent you could get by even if you had no business acumen but today i feel like you've got to have business savvy you have to have social media awareness like is that just as important do you feel like as talent now or do you still have to have that talent as kind of the foundation before you move forward in any creative endeavor well, there's still a lot of talentless people who do make it pretty far, business-savvy, unsavvy <laughs> people who still succeed. So let's just put, put that out there first. But I think that when you the, – the real key, whether you're super creative or you're a great business person, put that all aside because a lot of people have varying degrees of – you know, understanding how to market themselves or not understanding how to market themselves. The real key to success is having a strong vision. And, you know, there's there's artists out there who might not have gone to business school but have such a strong vision that they're able to magnetize the right people and the right ingredients to, to succeed as well. So I think that for any DIY musician out there who might be like, oh, well, I didn't go to business school. It's just, you know, how am I ever going to make it? It's, I, would, I would say put that aside and really, really focus on a strong vision, and that will carry you. You know, in, in our case, it's like I went to school for entrepreneurship. That's a passion for me, and, and that's helped lift us to where we are. But there's a lot of talented people out there who will still be able to succeed with a really strong vision that can magnetize people to get on board with them. What social media, do you feel like it makes it easier for a DIY band now because they can connect so easily with like-minded folks? Or is there so much mm-hmm. white noise and so much garbage you've got to kind of, you know, machete through on the Internet to find a sweet gold that is white mystery mm-hmm. and bands like you? Does it actually make it harder because there's so much out there? Um, it's interesting because it feels like there's so many new social media services that pop up 
as the old ones get stale and overloaded. So a couple people might remember MySpace and Makeout Club and oh, yeah. LiveJournal and these like almost like antiquated social media platforms where they're just a ghost of themselves on the internet now. Um, you know, for me personally, I love Instagram. We we barely have to touch it, and we see so much growth on a weekly basis. Where Facebook, it's like, you know, we might have 12,000 fans, which sounds impressive, but it's like it's kind of a slow growth for us where Instagram seems like it's really popping off, and people mm-hmm. are using that as platform of discovery where you use hashtags and you can click something like we we like to use which is ginger army you know we're redheads and we've kind of like owned this hashtag called ginger army and other people kind of get on board with that um and what i was just going to say though is you know we have a we have a bevy of interns now and they're coming to me and they're saying you gotta try snapchat you gotta try it and you know, I'm I'm 31, so I'm not super old by some standards, but I guess I'm old enough that I, like, totally don't get it and need to actually learn about what Snapchat is. And maybe that sounds lame to some people tuning in right now who have been doing it for a long time. But um, I've been very Instagram-obsessed, and now I have to learn this new social media. And I think with every step and with, you know, the little evolutionary picture that shows all of the little social media platforms like the Cro-Magnon, the modern-day Homo sapien. You know what I mean? Um, right. It's, I think that there will always be platforms of discovery, and they just evolve over time. Oh, yeah. I mean, Periscope's the hot new thing now, and we tried to use that a little bit mm. when we were on the road last summer. And it just seems like mm-hmm. as soon as you get that, a handle on that, then bam, something else is coming something out. Something else comes and, out, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, but, you know, it's like it it makes life more interesting, right? But maybe also a little more complicated. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do you like the challenge of things being complicated or are you really easy going and you just want everything to like really flow organically? Well, I mean I I, I I'm a people person, right? So I'm extroverted. I love interacting with people. I'm not afraid to do it and the social media platforms open up a whole, you know, amazing channel for me to communicate with new people. And I'm super, super thankful for that. Where, for instance, on Instagram, um, Chicago Music Exchange, which is a really big music shop here in Chicago, started carrying the White Mystery Fuzz pedal, this guitar pedal that we manufacture. And it was really cool. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. They're, like, made in Chicago. Um, it's like a really deep, loud guitar tone that you can achieve with this pedal. And we teamed up with this great company called Daredevil Pedals who manufactures them. And it's just this whole cool project. So Chicago Music Exchange carries them. And, of course, they have a totally um, not separate but like um, like a, like a, a market or audience of followers who – go beyond the reaches of white mystery, you know, like guitar collectors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if someone, someone sees this. Hello? Oh, we oh, dropped her. Lost her. Try to get her back. Oh. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, but to yeah, expand on that. Point there, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to kind um, of expand just, on that. I mean, the social media, bam, it's back. I mean, it's, 
as soon as we like I said, we did Periscope over the summer, and I was sending stuff out to John Lear because John Lear kind of turned me on to Periscope, and I was like, right. well, I'm going to Periscope, and then I'm going to Periscope stuff and include John Lear in it, and it didn't the the, the signal was spotty, the site's new, so it was kind of hard yeah. to get a consistent signal, and then as soon as you learn that, now it's Snapchat, but I when I, I first heard of Snapchat, it. it was like a nudity thing, yeah. right? Like oh, three yeah. seconds, I'll. Show my breasts and it'll be gone from the internet, scrubbed it'll from the internet gone, forever. Little do they know. But um, um, yeah, it's like I just mastered Instagram. <laughs> I'm like finally getting Instagram, and you know, fortunately. Uh, hey, sorry about I'm, that. Hey. I was mid story. I hope yeah. you didn't miss me. All <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> good. <laughs> yeah, let's jump was, back in there gonna, I was just going to say that basically Instagram connected us with this redheaded supermodel dude who's now like a big fan of our band. And I'm not sure nice. that I would have been able to connect with someone without the power of social media. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Nice. And I, like, I was, like, like, like Nick and I were talking about, the, the good thing with you, like you said, you have a bevy of uh, interns working under you. So you're getting those young people that know this stuff. Like I just told mm-hmm. Nick, I was like, man, I just mastered Instagram. Like, Every time they put something, oh, they added new colors. Okay, great. I can put my kids' pictures in this style now and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's younger kids that my, you know, that I, you know, that I deal with, and they're like, oh man, Snapchat or this and that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I still have a flip phone, so no Instagram for this guy. <laughs> he does. I swear. Well, to be fair, it's not just his fault. He does have zombie fingers. Which anybody who like has had a few uh, smartphones knows it, does, it. It is real. I promise. A, a phone does not know that he exists. He like he'll sit down like saying Any sensor, yeah, like yeah. a Walmart, where you have to hit OK, it won't read. I got to use that stupid little black fake pen. And then like when I yeah. go to the bathroom, I try to wash my hands. So I have to use my elbows because when I use my fingers, it won't set off the sensor. Yeah, it's really it's like I have like this backward ass superpower yeah. or something where I can't be <laughs> sensed by faucets and credit card machines. All right, let me move on to this because I want to put some context in this for people who may not be as familiar with you and may not have heard the kettle of fish interview. The White mm-hmm. Mystery, ten year experiment, uh, musical yeah. experiment. You're rolling in on year eight, and when you kind of look back on eight years, you got two years left. What have you learned? Has the experiment have been has has been a success? Have you proven your hypotheses or what you set out to do? It'll give us a little context of what the white mystery experience is and if it's worked out for you guys. Right. Well, white mystery was founded on April twentieth, two thousand and eight, um, as an agreement between my brother and me to see whether dedicating our lives and souls to rock and roll would prove to be a success over the course of 10 years. And now we're eight years into it. It's the year 2016. When older people would tell me that time started to fly, you know, over the years, I'm, I'm starting to believe that. I can't believe we're eight years into it. And what I have learned in that course of time, which at many low points, I, I would really start to doubt myself and, you know, there's those moments where you're in a cockroach-infested apartment in France after you've played a basement show in Angers, and you're wondering, what did I do with my life? How did I get here? It smells terrible. I'm so hungry and I'm so cold. 
you know, is, is this really worth it? And I think that tomorrow, um, with White Mystery making our network late night TV debut on the Carson yeah. Daly Show on NBC, um, you know, that was a long time goal for us was to to play the late night television um, show thing, which is, you know, for some bands, when you hire a publicist, you know, one day you're playing a, a backyard show and a couple months later you're playing David Letterman because you've paid into the system or found a manager who has the budget to, to push you onto that. But what I have found is that it is possible to succeed in the music industry and that a slow growth is um is possible as well and you know there are times where bands that um were like maybe like friends of ours shot past us and we'd wonder like man are we ever going to feel that that success of you know whether it's like charting on the radio or being on the cover of a magazine or these different things and of course you know i I just want to make it clear as well that we love making music and recording and we put a new album out every year, like Clockwork, on April 20th, our band anniversary. And uh, we we love playing music together. We're brother and sister, and it's this joyous experience. But, you know, like there's also this element where you want to share that with the world because you're so stoked on what you're doing. And in a lot of ways, you know, communicating with people through television and radio and some traditional media, um, like certain magazines and websites, like you, you want to penetrate that so that you can share your music with a wider audience. And, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle um, as a DIY independent affair. You know, we, for instance, we were looking into like, okay, well, maybe with this, um, this year's April 20th project, maybe we'll be able to actually get it on the radio because, We've modeled for Levi's jeans. We played on a float with Sir Richard Branson in a parody of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, we've done all sorts of stuff. The comedian Cameron Esposito, who I absolutely adore, is using her music as her walk-on music. Like, maybe nice. this is a year that... Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, we're thinking, like, okay, maybe this is the year that we can get on... Um, mainstream radio and communicate with some people and realize that you literally have to pay 10 grand for a very like entry level attempt at being played on uh, traditional radio. So we're oh. super grateful for our like college radio and our indie radio buddies where we've, you know, played in studio um, shows for like WLUW in Chicago and Radio K and um, WORT is one of our favorite stations in Madison, Wisconsin. Independent free format, you know what I mean? And we're communicating with you guys, and it's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because you, you just have to set goals and give yourself a little pat on the back when you achieve them and keep moving forward. And for the ones that you haven't achieved yet, you either need to be quick on your feet to see whether you can still attain those goals, but try not to beat yourself up too bad also when you fail. And a lot of business owners and parents and dentists and attorneys all experience failure. And I think that maybe as 
as people, we need to be a little bit more honest about our vulnerability and how we all kind of, and maybe, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I, 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 I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who feel the, the, the depths of, of sorrow or sadness or failure, right? Or is that just Yeah. No, amen to that. But that's an interesting point. Let me ask you this then. Are you, because you, you could do it two ways, right? You could kind of be like, we're so awesome. And you said earlier, I want to share my music. And you can be really hyped on the band. Or you can kind of be OCD about things like I am, where it's like, okay, I did this. Now what's the next thing? Are you White yeah. Mystery's biggest fan? Or are you White Mystery's biggest critic? Like, how do you approach it? Ooh, that's a great question. I think our biggest fans probably are mom. I can say that pretty safely because <laughs> she we developed in her womb at separate times and she squirted us out and she's like, Wow, look at that and then we, you know, did a bunch of cool stuff and she can feel good about that. Um and she's super supportive and we're really thankful for it. So she's probably our biggest fan. I am probably I'm not sure if I'm our biggest critic, though. I, I guess I'm our, our biggest work beast, you know? And I just kind of, like, keep my head down and, and try to just grind and grind and grind until my work is done. And I do look at everything with a discerning eye um, in terms of, like, font usage and how we present ourselves and what does this mean and how can the, this be misinterpreted? You know, I'm always thinking, like, okay... For our French fans or Japan, Japanese fans, do they understand what stoked means? Should I be wow. using the word yeah. excited mm-hmm. so that I can mm-hmm. more widely communicate um, our message with people? So I'm I'm more like thinking, critically thinking, but I wouldn't say that I, I you know, look at what I did and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so dumb. Well, actually, I do say that. <laughs> I do say I'm so dumb. Sometimes when I'm walking my dog, I'm like, God, I'm so dumb. But at the same time, you know, when I hold a new record in my hands and I see that all of these different moving parts have come together into this gorgeous um, experience, you know, real tangible thing. Or when we put the movie out, you know, like if I had told my younger self, like, you're going to produce a feature link film one day and sell out movie theaters as a musician, not even like, you know, a, a trained film person, but as a person who's passionate about what I do. And I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I like to try new things and, you know, we have the fuzz pedal and we've got the film and now all this other stuff. It's exciting, but I'm really excited to be on NBC tomorrow for the Carson Daly show. And it's tomorrow night in Chicago. I'm in central time and it's 1230 here. 12:30 a.m. So it's technically April 1st because the you know yeah, clock yeah. strikes midnight sort of thing. Um, but it's tomorrow night. You know, to make a long story short, and um, I don't and know where we're going to watch it yet. Well, yeah, it was pre-recorded, and I don't want to give mm-hmm. any um, spoilers. But you guys did perform at the Troubadour. And, I mean, that's a theater with so much history. You've got Elton John, kind of broke his bones there. The Eagles, Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac, Van Morrison, mm-hmm. my God. Um, what does it feel like standing? Yeah, the list, the giant list. What does it feel like standing mm-hmm. in all that history? Is it intimidating? Is it surreal? Is it overwhelming? 
Hmm. I mean, it was exciting, you know, like the lights were beautiful. The sound was great. It's a beautiful room. We really like <laughs> for this show, because it's not like a studio audience. You're actually drawing an audience of your own. Um, we basically went through our Rolodexes collectively and invited every single person, fan, friend, and relation we could think of in Los Angeles and San Diego and invited them. So, you know, my feeling, it's like I'm aware of the history, I'm aware of the doors and Janis Joplin and Cheech and Chong and all those people um, being discovered on the stage, but my feeling was like I'm on the stage and I'm looking out right before our set and I recognized every single face looking back at me. That's great. Like hundreds of people, like in, and you know, some people say, "Oh, I'm really bad with names, so I'm good with faces." I remember people's faces and names like a bear trap, like it's like a, a really easy thing for me. Where I'm like, "Hey, it's uh, my friend Becky Chernoff from Detroit. She moved here to L.A. and she's a vintage Mercedes, you know, dealer and that kind of thing." And I see her, and I look next to her, and it's Peter Huxwell, and he's from Detroit too. I wonder if they know each other. I'm gonna introduce them after the show. And just going, like, from left to right, like a panorama, and being like, that's my Uncle Michael Lynn. Um, he's no longer <laughs> married to my aunt, but he's still a really big fan of our band, and I'm so thankful he's here. And it was just, like, kind of emotional to, yep. to experience that and, and see all of these eyes looking back at us and smiling faces. You know what I mean? It, like, it was just, it like, put you more at I ease? think... It definitely put me more at ease, and okay. I think that what's super, super cool, and, and maybe you guys will feel this when you watch us tomorrow, because we've chatted before, and I've revealed the, you know, my soul to you, uh, basically <laughs> today, which may or may not have been a good idea, but I think you, you, you understand. It's is, always um, a good idea. Trust me. <laughs> of course. Well, I, I think what I'm trying to say, too, is that when... You know, over the last eight years, this rock and roll experience is that so many people, even though it's DIY, it's DIT, the do-it-together philosophy, with mm-hmm. the bevy of interns and our family, and even, you know, the people that we grew up with at church as little kids, and mm-hmm. Francis's second-grade teacher, Mr. Dillon, who's now retired and still comes to our shows and stuff, I think that what's really cool and definitely our goal in trying to be as positive as possible is to be able to share that feeling of success with that community of people who have helped us so much. And I think yeah. that when people turn on their TV tomorrow and they see us and how we've been like working our tails off and trying to be as honest and positive and true as possible to our mission, they're going to be like, wow, you know, like I hope that, other people watch it and they do feel responsible for that success as well. Cause I think that we can all own it and feel good about it. Well, let me jump in and kind of deconstruct here then, because it definitely sounds like you guys are an amazing, like on an amazing journey. Like then what brings Alex White down? What discourages you? Because it sounds like you've got so much love, so much positivity surrounding you. I can't imagine you ever being bummed or discouraged. Uh Oh, we lost her again. Yeah, I got it. Uh, you know what Alex was saying earlier, too, I kind of wanted to comment on, Odell, and you can chime yeah. in on this because I'm sure you remember this. 
I used to throw a lot of shows. I used to do a lot of different projects. And yeah. people would come up to me like Sand Jam. That was a huge endeavor, right? Like 20 bands, yeah. 20 DJs, three days on the beach. Three I had so many different beach, yeah. balls in the air. And people would come up to me and be like, dude, like this is like the show of your life. This is a huge mm-hmm. deal. Aren't you having a good time? And I was kind of always like, I'll have a good time in retrospect. Like, I'm taking all well, these look pictures. Back on, yeah. yeah, I'll have a good yeah. time in my memories. Like, I could never have a good time, no matter the show. I mean, yeah, I'd be on stage and I'd be in the moment, but I could never really yeah. exhale and have a good time until yeah. after the fact, until it was over. Then I could look back and go, wow, I had a good time. But I could never yeah. process it as it was happening to me. No, it's mm-hmm. one of those things. I remember when we finally got to a point in our band where we started playing with bands that we actually looked up to or were were basically their equals. And I remember one, one specific show we got to play, and um, I was able to set it up. You know, the, the open for the stand it was a sold-out show. It was phenomenal, and I was a nervous wreck until the whole thing was done. And then when I looked back, it was just like, Oh my gosh! You, and and it, and it is. It's like that. Basically, it took a few days and a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden it was like, man, that was really cool. But during that time, it's like, oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Oh, we sounding this way? Are we good? We good? We are we tight enough? We don't want to. You know, this is our first time playing this club. Plus, we're playing with this band. So, um, yeah, I totally get it. And if yeah. you're like uh, me, where you overthink everything, like you overthink, why does that can of peanuts have that logo on it? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to fucking process afterwards, or you can't be in the moment. Anyways, Alex is back. I don't know how much of that you cut. It's so interesting. The peanut logo? Nah, nah, before we watch it. Everybody knows about the peanut logo. Um, But so much positivity, so much love, so much creativity. What kind Mm -hmm. of stops you? What kind of discourages you? Is there anything at this point Mm -hmm. that bums you out, or are you just full throttle positivity, you know, I know everybody has their trials so, and tribulations. That's probably a dumbass mm-hmm. question. But what kind of what roadblocks do you have? Because it sounds like you've kind of got the world by the balls right now. Yeah, well, I definitely do try to stay as positive as possible. Um, and when other people are like, oh, doesn't that get you down right now? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm cool. It's chill. You know, and I, I try to just, like, power through it. But, you know, there's, like, something that comes to mind, and I'll I'll be just 100% honest with you because maybe someone listening will be like, I can help her with that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like, we're, you know, we're from Chicago. We totally carry the flag as we go and try to represent ourselves and our community as well as possible and, and pack shows and all that business. And we've been trying to play Lollapalooza for years. And, you know, in times before it was like i don't know you know there's certain things where you're like oh man this is going to be the year this is going to be the Mm -hmm. year that we play Lollapalooza," and you know being interacting with the bookers and stuff like that and getting some kind of like glimmers of promise and then kind of like you know following up following up being like yo we're going to be on late night tv yo we have this new album coming out yo we're getting all this press hey, check this out, we're on this front page of this magazine, and then not getting it and seeing the lineup um, for something like that. You know, I think that that was something that recently, it didn't make me cry, you know what I mean? But it was just something where I was like, oh, man, I, I was kind and of... And knocked the wind out of you. Huh? 
I don't want to see them say it. It was, yeah, I think the word is frustrating. So it's not yeah. something that brought me down on myself, but it was something where it was like, you know, an example of not achieving a goal. And mm-hmm. then, but the thing is, it's like you have to say, well, you know, you have to get creative. So, like, we, you know, every year we have our big 420 party. So we're going to put our energy into, you know, just making that as cool and big and awesome as possible. So it's like, I yeah, I think the word is frustrating for, for what I was just describing to you. But I think, you know, the things that would make me more sad are more like more personal things, you know. But I think that when it comes to business, you do have to just – power through it and stay positive and, and do the right Absolutely. thing at all times. Yeah. Definitely. And be yeah. honest. Yep. So. All right. Let me hit on this because I've got to talk about this. I finally got to watch That Was Awesome, the white mystery movie. <laughs> and as advertised, it was awesome. Um, one thing that I had to ask you about is the song Orange Monster. I'm watching yeah. all of these things go on. And I'm watching you guys kind of talk over it like mystery sign. We lost her again. Yep. Where is Alex? Is that the mystery? Where is she where we keep losing her? <laughs> Did you get a chance to watch the movie? No, no. unfortunately I didn't. I've, I've been, the last couple of days been pretty crazy getting everything straight to come down here. All right, Alex is back with us. Again. Yeah, I'm, for the record, I'm not even moving around. I'm sitting in one place. I'm getting disconnected. Yeah, so I, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't We're going to aspire the studio. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I apologize in advance. I hope it doesn't happen again. But you're talking about Orange Psycho in the movie. That was awesome. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, you kind of got this um, mystery science theater thing going on where you're talking over top of it. And I was like, is this actual mm-hmm. footage? And then they kind of cut it all together and just talked over it? Or was this kind of acted out and formatted ahead of time? It's, I'm really happy you brought that up because that particular part of the White Mystery movie that was awesome is my, one of my favorite, you know, because it's so yeah, it's funny. Amazing. Um, but it was also like, it was one of the most challenging parts of the movie so we we were like, okay, we had, a lot of our music and our concepts actually come from dreams that we've had, um, including Woodstock 2099, which is about a futuristic apocalyptic festival, and that's in the in the movie as well. Um, but Orange Psycho, someone was like, man, I had a dream about you guys, and you like kind of came up to me and hugged me, and then you like suffocated me with your hair, with your big red curly hair. And we're like, that's a great idea for a video. Let's do that. So we, like, got, you know, almost like Jim Henson, like, orange curly puppets. And, you know, we kind of came up with this concept, and we shot it in L.A. and then in the desert outside of Las Vegas, and then also in Las oh, Vegas, wow. which is where that footage comes from. And, you know, we – and then it was based on the song, and the song's pretty long. And I know that that was kind of a challenge for these people – Alexis and Chris Newton from Cool Ranch Productions, you know, they're used to doing two minutes, three minute music videos, but they had done the video for Double Dragon, which was a white mystery video, and that was almost eight minutes long. And I was like, okay, if anyone can do this 15 minute bizarre mystery science theater style video, like you said, it's going to be them. So they give us the video with the music, and we're watching it. We're like, okay. So, 
we're driving around, we're walking around, you know, what what's this video doing here? Like I'm you know, it it needs some sprinklings of magic to really put it into a place where it can actually be watchable. Because, you know, the movie it's called That Was Awesome and, and it's hilarious and it's great, but it's it's abstract. It's psychedelic. You know, if you're oh, yeah. if you're not if you're not a fan of like Andy Warhol eating a cheeseburger for 25 minute videos, you know, just like full frontal video of Andy Warhol sitting down eating a hamburger, you know, it's it's conceptual, right? So like we're we're abstract and we're conceptual, so you have to kind of open your mind and enjoy it. So we're watching the video and we're like, you know, we gotta kind of like explain what's happening here for people so they can kind of sit through this and enjoy this video. So we went into the studio, you know, with the finished film and with the finished music, and we projected it on a wall at uh, a recording studio near our house. And we're watching it, and we're like, what are we going to do? And we start talking into our mics and describing exactly what Francis and I are actually doing on the screen. So I'm like, walking, walking, I'm walking right now. And Francis is like, I'm carrying your empty guitar case. It's the story of my life, yeah. carrying around your empty cases. And we just kind of started, and that was a one-take dialogue for that section where, you know, it kind of starts off where we're describing, but then we start, like, making voices for the different characters. It's like, oh, I'm putting my lipstick on, you know, and kind of, like, describing the inner thoughts of the other characters. And, you know, we finish our little dialogue in the studio and we turn around and the people in the control room are like laughing, like sobbing <laughs> from, from what bet. they had just heard um, from this ad lib improv insane thing that we had just done. We're like, okay, we're done. Cool. Done. Done. Well, and, and this is a thought that's going through my head. It's like when you do an album, as a movie, creatively, mm-hmm. do you feel like you're getting your point across more than just having somebody stick in, you know, play an MP3 or stick in a CD? Do you feel like you're getting the message across more because it is visual and that adds another layer to it? That was the goal, right? Was to like offer music as this new experience for people, especially for our super fans who we had already given so many CDs and albums up to that point. We had just done Double Dragon, which was a, a double disc final record, and it has a cool gatefold with a painting, and we're like, okay, how are we going to top our game this year? Well, let's make a feature-length film. And I feel like the music is so out there and the songs are so long that we needed to create this visual experience to carry the audience through you know, inside of our minds. Well, mission accomplished, my friend. Yes. It was amazing. (laughs) Let me ask you this last thing, and then I'll stop being an ass and let Odell talk for a minute. But (laughs) you're you're quickly approaching 420. You're quickly approaching your new album release. What's happening on 420 with you guys? What are you releasing to top? That was awesome. What's going to be even more awesomer? Well, I'm really excited because we're actually announcing that in conjunction with the Carson Daly show tomorrow. So I guess I could say that that's the mystery. Um, You always bring us the mystery, mystery. Alex. 
<laughs> but but I'll, I'll add to it, though, that we are celebrating uh, April 20th in Grand Rapids, Michigan this year, where in former years we've had it in San Francisco, Amsterdam, New York City, Chicago. We're bringing it to Michigan this year, our paw-shaped neighbor up north, um, and having a big pinball tournament. Uh, at a really cool place called the Pyramid Scheme, and I'm a super pinball head, so there's that's kind of what I wanted to do this year to to enjoy what what it is that we are releasing this year. Which I encourage your your listeners to check out whitemystery.com tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. to see All what right. it is. Oh, no, sorry. I always get so enchanted with Alex. I start babbling like a little schoolboy. Um, I know you probably have many things you want to touch base with her on, so I'm just going to shut up and let you take it away, Odell. <laughs> no, I, you pretty much covered everything. Thanks, man. But, uh, <laughs> All right, we're out of here. <laughs> no, no I, I, I believe the last time you were on, you were getting ready to go to Japan. I think you were actually going to be leaving that week. So I, I guess my question is, I know you wrote that really cool synopsis on it, but how 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 was the feel over there? I didn't, I didn't know if that was your first time there or um, a repeat time, or but how was that? How, 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 was the, how did the audience uh, take you guys in? Japan was amazing, and... Uh... You know, I was I was really curious how how audiences were going to receive us and what the shows were going to be like, especially after having toured Europe and the UK so many times. It was our mm-hmm. first time in Japan. It was our first time playing a third continent. You know, so like that was a pretty oh, nice. big step for us. And that was back yeah. in November then when we talked last. So it's it's kind of yeah. you know time flies again. Um, and you know rolling up to a city like Hiroshima and wondering, okay, you know, what are what are the rock and roll audiences going how are they gonna react to this mm-hmm. red curly haired, you know, barbarian size um rock and roll band with Chicago accents, you know, rolling up over there and, you know, playing our version of rock and roll. <laughs> and it was just the most amazing reception. Um, from the other bands, these promoters who put on our shows must have been thinking to themselves, okay, I need to put the best band in Kyoto on the show, the best bands in Tokyo, the best bands in Osaka, Nagoya, Fukuoka. Um, Mm -hmm. The list goes, you know, we played seven shows in seven days, all the way from um, the west coast to the east coast of Japan. We traveled the entire country and took their bullet train from show to show. And it was an awesome way to travel, taking the train. It was so sweet and so smooth and so punctual and so fast that if you, you know, taped what was happening outside your window, it looked like um, like a time-lapse video, like on your iPhone, you know, like a super-fast oh, wow. video. And, you know, one of the coolest parts, of course, of touring Japan were the people that we met. Um, and everyone was just so good at their instrument, you know, like you play across mm-hmm. America and there's a lot of people half-assing their way to a band, mm-hmm. but in Japan there is like discipline and musical talent, um, mm-hmm. that I think is really instilled with people that they have a lot of pride in. So like the drummers were amazing, the bass players, the guitar players, it was just like 
a sight to behold. And, you know, when you play somewhere in, like, France, they have a lot of noise ordinances, and sound guys will be like, oh, you guys have to turn it down, you have to turn it down. So I'm wondering oh, myself, okay, when we go to Japan, is it going to be similar? You know what I mean? And you just deal with it, and you do what you got to do. But I was curious, you know, is it going to be similar to that? These shows were like bonkers off the chain, people like flying across the room, um, <laughs> dancing, like pulsating sound, smoking cigarettes inside, like shit show. And I'm, I, this is a podcast. Right. Right. I'm allowed to say right. the, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, so it was great. The sushi, of course, was amazing. And we were there in November where there was a lot of special fish available. Okay. Um, so we ate, like, all these amazing whole smoked fish and just really bonded with people, like, made lifelong friends where it's like Man. you're looking at this person, you're thinking, I love you. You know, like, I, I love you, and, you know, we're still in touch with a lot of people, and we're probably going to go back really soon. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you guys are going to, like, knock James Brown out of the box as hardest working man in show business. I mean, you guys <laughs> are just nose to the grind. And once again, you go on your webpage, and you could spend hours on there just seeing how much you guys are involved in the energy level yeah. of you guys. is insane to With me. With everything. With everything. Like, your your hands are in everything, which is amazing. Thanks, guys. I mean, I'm sure that you're good at stuff, too, so thanks. Uh, well, like I always tell people, I'm just a guy with an opinion and a microphone. Um, but I, real quick, you, you ask very educated questions, though, and I really appreciate you guys doing your research and, and having offering such great conversation. I, I really oh. like talking with you all. Well, we, have, we love having you on. We love having you on. Let me kick this food for thought real quick because we got to get out of here. But you've mentioned mm-hmm. time flying by a couple times and um, mm-hmm. how you get older and time goes by quicker. And this is kind of how mm-hmm. I've been thinking of it. I'm about to turn 45 this year in June. And mm-hmm. when I was 30, 80, you figure, okay, if you live to 80, that was 50 years away. I don't know what the hell 50 years is. I've never lived 50 years. Now I'm 45. Mm-hmm. I've got 40 years of memory. So all I have to do wow. is just do everything that I remember, and I'm dead. So that's why it goes by so quick, right? Because it's like, okay, just remember the 40 years you live, and then you're dead. Just do it again oh, one more man. time, and you're dead. Whereas you're 30, so you don't know what 50 years is. You can't. It's an abstraction to you, right? You don't know what 50 yes. years is going to be. So it's like, Mm-mm. okay, well, I know it's coming, but I don't know what it feels like. So that's why I always try to explain to people why it goes so fast and why it seems like I'm so more connected with my mortality, it's because mm. I know as soon as I do this again, I'm checking out. So that's just kind of something to think of. I don't know if that's ending the show on a down note. But that's, that's how I kind of look at it, right? And we're all depressed now. Okay. <laughs> but you did, you did cheer me up. Speaking with you did put me in a better mood, so mission accomplished. Yeah, and I feel better, too. And, you know, I've I've been working all day and um, taking a forced break to talk with you all and also put a lot of things in perspective where I'm like, okay, maybe I am doing an okay job being acknowledged by these super intellectual hosts of this amazing (laughs) program. And I really appreciate you sharing our message with your audience. And 
Anybody I'm smoking a pipe and Instagram. stroking my beard as you speak. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sophisticated yeah, and regal. Whitemystery.com, y'all, is all it does. Yeah. Right. Tell everybody it. one more time. Give us all the info about Carson Daly tomorrow because I'm sure everybody wants yeah. to know how to find it. Good point. Okay, so if you're in central time, it's tomorrow night at 1230 a.m. Um, on NBC on Carson Daly's last call program and and we dropped her again oh uh, uh. okay i don't think we have time to get her back um she's on carson tomorrow i think all of our audience is savvy enough where they can figure out how to go on on demand the next day or go on their guide their little information guide and figure out yeah. when this is in their time zone. Odell, as always, yes, sir. amazing time with Alex. She's so easy to talk to. She makes us oh, look amazing. good, right? Absolutely amazing. I love interviewing her. It's so it's so nice. So nice to just sit back and talk That's to her. That's a dirty word. We don't questions. say interviewing. We just say chatting. Um, well, you know. <laughs> All righty, guys. Um, we are going to end with some white mystery. What do I want to do? We've got two songs here. We've got White Spiders or we've that got one. Blood and Venom. You want to do White Spiders, D? Yeah, yes. I like that one better. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We will yes. be back in two yes. weeks yes. with more Mozine. Um, I ran across his channel actually on my Roku box. He's got a punk rock and indie punk rock channel. So I All definitely right. wanted to talk to him to see the whole process of how you keep that afloat. Um, and then two weeks after that, we are going to have Mr. Tom Kiefer from Cinderella shaking us. All right. And I don't, I don't know the logistics. Up. That's going to be a Saturday interview, so I might do a one-on-one and then cut it into get like Xander to call back and maybe like Lips or Russ or someone to call us and have yeah. a hair metal episode. Or we might do it That'd live if Odell, if you're available. I don't know the logistics yet, but we'll definitely put that we'll together for you. Wonderful we will work fans. it out. Alrighty, yeah. Odell, enjoy your time in NC visiting your parents. <laughs> D. Um, any last words? You didn't get yes. to talk much. Uh, that's okay. Um, no, I think it's totally cool. Everybody go check whitemystery.com or whitemysteryband.com. You can even buy one of their albums on cassette tape. Yeah, I wanted to hit that up. That is so awesome. So, so vintage. I love it. Um, yeah, and everybody go to facebook.com slash KOF show and click on the giveaway tab. You still have a chance to enter, and you can enter every day. And we still only have um, like maybe 350 entries, so really good chance of winning that prize. Yeah, Better totally. than the state lottery, definitely. Definitely. Damn right. All right, guys, here's some white mystery, white spiders. Good night. All right, bro. Good night.